welcome to today's episode of The Winning Ticket. I'm your host, Bobby Kravitsky, and joining me, one of the best in his business. He is a professional sports handicapper for Pub Sports Radio and a sharp among sharps, here to put more money in your pockets and bank accounts, Connor Mack. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Can't wait uh, to get into football. Football's in full swing, as I love NBA's back. I'm sure you do, too, and even the NHL, because I love betting the NHL. Uh, nothing trumps uh, college football and NFL, especially right now, at least for two more months or so until we get yeah, going. So I'm happy to be here. I've seen your tweets. You seem pretty hot on the NHL action, which is impressive, as difficult as that is to wager on. But uh, yeah. I, I absolutely love October. For my money, the best month on the sports calendar. Absolutely Agreed. loaded. Definitely. Definitely agree. So let's get it started here. We're going to start with the NFL, and then we'll get to college football and takeaways from a wild weekend. So I can't wait to dive into that as well. But on the front half of the show, let's first go to that Bengals-Falcons game. It's the first time that Atlanta doesn't cover the spread. And it, it, it felt every week like that was going to crumble, and it finally did in Cincinnati, 35-17, the final score in favor of the Bengals. They're starting to put it together after a slow beginning to the season. Joe Burrow's starting to get hot. The line looks better. Who do you have more confidence in to win the AFC North between the Ravens or the Bengals? It's the Bengals. There's right now this Ravens team, and it's it's crazy around here. I consistently have been shaking my head. Even as favorites, the Sharps like the Ravens. They just seem like they want like this team. They just can't get cover at home. That team is just having troubles covering. And I'm a little I wanted that, obviously, I always look for the numbers, especially when we're gambling. I wanted that dreaded seven in that uh, that Browns game just to be safe because it could have been a touchdown game and it was 23-20. But I think the Bengals are the team, and I love them this last week laying it in that score. And while I was feeling good when they jumped out to that lead, uh, it made me feel good that they had got out. And then they held on and easily covered. Because um, I know a lot of people, how can you not, if you're a regular better real quick looking at that game, you're just going, the Falcons have covered every game. They just came off beating the 49ers. There's a reason, though, the Bengals were favored by six. They're getting healthier. Now, the Falcons could have covered again, but right away. I mean, the, the, the biggest key to me was Burrow was getting better, a little more protection. And that Atlanta pass defense dead last in the NFL, or second to last. And he threw for over 450. And, man, they blew him out of the water. And, uh, yes, Bengals over the Ravens for the division. Yeah, I'm with you there. You laid it out. And that line, a lot of new pieces, a lot of familiar names, but it does take time for those guys to all mesh and they're coming to a new system. Now it's up and running and you can see the incremental improvement that gives, as you said, Joe Burrow more time to do his thing. Jamar Chase went off on Sunday. Joe Mixon looked pretty good, which has not always been the case this season. So I like the direction the Bengals are headed. And then, Connor, I look at the Ravens, the defensive coordinator there, not doing a great job trying to replace Wink Martindale. Kyle Mm -hmm. Hamilton was a guy that I loved coming out of the draft. It was a classic Baltimore pick that he fell to the Ravens. But at the same time, they're struggling on the back end. They've had some injuries, which seems like it's becoming a tradition now for that team to see some key players go down. And, And so I look at Baltimore And if you believe in winning ugly, that's what Sunday was, holding on against the Browns. And whether it was just being a fan of one side or the other or having action on the game, an absolute roller coaster at the end where there's the Cooper touchdown, 
but a clear OPI. So it comes off the board and Cleveland still has a chance after all that with that long field goal that comes nowhere close. So I just, I look at this Ravens team and it's too Lamar centric, not enough talent offensively around him. And I still don't think they've done a good enough job of trying to really develop him as a passer, as good as he is in that regard. I think they're not doing right by him. I think you're right too, but I just, I don't know how great he could become as a, as a legit pocket passer. I think he's gotten a little bit better and they could done steps, but I think this is kind of what he is. I, I just don't know if he could be any better, you know, especially just standing in the pocket and throwing it. Obviously know he, how great he can run. He's a video game out there. So, you know, he's shown spurts, you know, and sometimes you look in a game. I mean, I remember last year, one or two games, I'm like, wow, this is the best I've ever seen in Pat. And then I remember the next week, there's three interceptions. It's kind of back to the same old, same old. But real quick, as we touched on the Ravens end of here, you know, big Thursday night game. That's the Thursday night game. You know, at Tampa is a Ravens. So Ravens, too, favored by right now about a point and a half. So interesting. Ravens have played better on the road. Hold trouble with the Bucks. Can they go into Tampa, win, you know, and win by a couple points there and cover? That's going to be fascinating to see, especially with all the turmoil surrounding Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I mean, to not put up a touchdown against Carolina, just a, a brutal showing. Byron Leftwich is getting ripped apart. Todd Bowles isn't getting much praise either. So who knows? They're still at the top of the division, but it just doesn't look like it's going to turn around. No, it doesn't. This would be a big one for them to get right. I mean, everything seems to be going wrong with Tom, you know, personal life on the field. Uh, the Evans drop pass and then him signing a little autograph after I saw on the field that would go with that. Just everything seems out of sorts there in uh, in Tampa. And the biggest key, you talked about them not scoring on the Panthers, but I mean, that offense and that defense, I mean, just where have they kind of gone? The first three weeks, I'm like, this is the Tampa team. Their defense is very good. And it seemed like the after that Chiefs game, they've been gone. I was shocked how the Chiefs just rolled all over him. But since then, I thought they've been shaky. Yes, they had tons of injuries. The secondary, they've got a bunch of guys out and still dealing with it. But they do not look very good when uh, when Walker throws all over you there. Maybe he made him look like a pro bowler uh, on Sunday. Big one Thursday for him here at home. Big, big game, Ravens-Bucks. Yeah, you brought up that Kansas City game. Tampa, they couldn't stop the run in that one. Pacheco and Edwards Alaire went off on yep. them. Then they go up against PJ Walker, XFL legend, and they can't slow him <laughs> down. So you're absolutely right. This Tampa defense, I feel like it is a product of all the stuff related to Brady plus the injuries on offense and the struggles. You know, the line is bringing down the whole operation. Godwin coming back from the knee injury isn't staying healthy. Evans, he didn't look right for much of Sunday's game. And I feel like they're losing confidence defensively because of what's happening offensively and the distraction that Brady's personal life has brought to the locker room. Yeah, I think they've all kind of gone to each other, like you just mentioned. It's just kind of like a domino effect. Like the defense hasn't picked up the offense. The offense hasn't done anything. The defense has been on the field a bunch more. The injuries. You know, if there's one guy you could turn around a quarter of a leading his team is Tom Brady. And I think they think they're three and four. Hey, and like you said, still right there in that division. So they're, that division's so weak, they could win it. But uh, I still think they make the playoffs. But, man, it's uh, tough times in Tampa. Yeah, I, I think they'll, we'll end it here. I think that they'll hold on and win the division. 
And there are seasons like in 2018, for instance, when he was with the Patriots, where they lose in Pittsburgh, everyone Mm -hmm. leaves them for dead. They turn around, they win the Super Bowl. Yes, there were no signs that year. This seems like the last team that wants to go overseas. They're going to have a game in Germany coming up. It just seems like it's not Tampa Bay's year at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem uh, like Tampa's. And I, I'm just shocked at these last, like, you know, they came out decent. I thought they'd probably win 11 games this year. But to see this offense just sputter and all the problems with the defense and the injuries, man, I think they're a 9-8 and eight team maybe, and I don't see them doing much. But that NFC, as we can touch it just real fast, not – there's no many, you know, Packers. There's a lot of down teams uh, in the NFC. So – Still wide open, I think, out there. Yeah, we're going to get to the Packers face planning. Same goes for Tom Brady's old team here. But first, I want to talk about a different NFC matchup. Cowboys hosted the Lions on Sunday. Mm. And to me, a key sequence in this game, Connor, the Lions are down 10-6 to early in the fourth. And by the way, no touchdowns in the first half for either side, particularly surprising, especially Dak. You thought first game back. Easy defense to go up against, but it didn't play out that way. And Detroit, 10-6, to early in the final frame, ball at the one-yard line, and Jamal Williams fumbles. This is a Dallas defense that they've been lights out, one of the best in the league, but also surprisingly ranked 20th in turnovers entering this game. Not only was that a huge play, the fumble, but they then flipped the field. So even though they didn't score, they backed Detroit up, forced them to start at their own 21 And sure enough, Jared Goff serves up an interception trying to force the ball in to TJ Hawkinson on third and 12. And Jordan Lewis comes up with the interception. And right there, if you had any doubts about Detroit losing this game, those could fall by the wayside. That was rough as, you know, right before kick. This wasn't one of my main looks, but I thought the line still is at seven. As long as you had seven was solid and it looked good all game long but you the turnovers you just called the situation right there the fumble and then even getting it back and then golf throwing that pick five turnovers and it was just rough because you could think the lions could go in there and at least cover that number i don't think you know they win but i thought they could have covered it and the turnovers just horrible because dak i thought was dak you know they were real slow with him and then they turned to what the best thing was and was running the ball i just thought my number one prop there was Tony Pollard. It was like 33 and a half. I think a lot of people hammered it. It was just handed to him, handed to Zeke, finally got going to in the second half. Lions dead last against the run. And that's what got him there. Just handed off, handed off, handed off. Then Dak finally got a couple there. But the score, not a digging about the, you know, how the how that game was and a tough one. But another good win for the Cowboys as the defense lions are the are the Lions, you know, and this and this Dallas defense comes through. When you look at this Cowboys team, and now they're up to four and two on the season, FanDuel has their win total pegged at over 11 and a half at plus 120. What's your projection for how this team finishes the year? I think they, you know, I think the Eagles win the division, but I think the Cowboys are, if I were the Eagles, I'd be a little bit scared though. You know, the, the, the crazy thing is, do you still trust Dak in go time? Obviously Hurts, he's still so young. And this Eagles team is so good. So there's questions there. But do you trust him to take this team into the playoffs and win it? I'm not so sure. And until the Cowboys show me anything in the playoffs, (laughs) I don't really want to back them. But one thing I loved about this Cowboys team that's changed my mind a little bit, and that's why the Eagles are so good, is their defense. You mentioned it. Forcing turnovers, 
just stout studs parson they got great guys in the secondary so and they and they got turnovers uh against the lions and just a game where the where the where the Cowboys were flat and you thought the Lions could maybe sneak out a win or at least cover and then just all falls. Like you said, you just ran through the situation, just a bomb or uh, in the last probably six minutes of the game. Yeah. I'm so impressed with the job that Dan Quinn has done and the growth mm. of this squad where he comes in and two years ago, there's really nothing to write home about for them defensively. And then they add Micah Parsons, who's a game changer. Diggs is a beast too. But last year defensively, they were pretty undisciplined. There was a lot of gambling for turnovers, a lot of poor coverage. This year, it's a much more sound operation. Like I said, they went into Sunday, ranked 20th in that category. So now, really the way they're getting it done more than anything is they get off the field on third downs, and they're excellent in the red zone. So this is a defense that you can have more trust in, but it is in the Cowboys' DNA to underachieve or not come through in a big game. So even though the the easy thing to do is say, well, they're at home next time around against the Eagles. They'll have Dak back, presumably, and so they'll split that. You never know. And even if they do, the division, like you said, probably goes the way of Philadelphia. Yeah, I think it does in the end. And just real quick, you talk about a massive win last night by this Bears team. Cowboys almost laying 10 this week. So, you know, still loving this team. You know, can Chicago, was that a one-time thing? Because uh, I think they'll have a harder time running the ball uh, at Dallas. But getting 10 there, 9.5-10 at most spots. So see the Cowboys, I think, win. Do they obviously cover there, uh, this next weekend? And then switching conferences to the AFC. We don't need to spend too much time on Titans-Colts. It was a pretty ugly game there in Nashville. So first, I guess we'll start with Indy because Matt Ryan now benched for Sam Ellinger. It's unbelievable to me, Connor. This was a team who last year was so obvious. They're a quarterback away. If they can upgrade from Carson can't play Wentz from being able to contend for a Super Bowl, the line, the running game with Jonathan Taylor who was an MVP candidate a season ago. The defense was lights out. And then you look at this year with Matt Ryan, they're in shambles. Yeah. And you know what I feel like the biggest thing is let's just touch on where he came from just for one second. I think the Falcons feel great. Like, I thought they got rid of him. I think that even with Mariota, you know, probably a, a backup or borderline bottom three quarterback, like, they were, like, good riddance to Matt Ryan. All that money, he was best year was behind him. They didn't win that Super Bowl. So they were, like, good riddance. And they're winning games or covering games. I know they just got blown out, but I think they'll be back and they'll be fine. Falcons could go maybe 500 this year. And then, and then he goes to the Colts. I just can't believe the Colts thought they were going to get him and just think everything would be a difference. And it hasn't. And turnovers continue to be the problem. Matt Ryan has made me a good amount that just this year. Just take his interception. And now they, the juice is crazy with it. For the first three weeks or so, they thought Matt Ryan would be would be good. So if you looked at that. But now benched. And to hear, I mean, I'm even shocked last night. Just having ESPN, like he's benched for the year. Like usually, I mean, that was like pretty cold. They're not going to bring him back maybe at all. Uh, Ellinger in. So that was just wild to me. I mean, I thought he'd be benched, you know, but you never know. Uh, that was shocking. But this Colts game and the, the Titans, Titans did what they wanted. I, lo- I thought De- Derrick Henry off the bye would feel fresh. And he owns this Colts team. And he wore him down finally. He had about 130 yards rushing and got it done. And as soon as the Colts, like, moved the ball, it was the Matt Ryan turnover. It was just kind of like, ah. Oh. And the Titans only would go down and get a field goal. You know, but in the end, that was enough. You know, 19-10, and I thought 
there could have been that backdoor touchdown and it would have been a two point win. And a lot of people, the people at Colts two and a half would have been very happy. But uh, Titans get the win. Shoot up clock, classic Titans game. I thought their defense was a little bit better. I still don't think they're very good, but they got those turnovers and it worked out for them. Here's my disappointment in what's happening with Tennessee. Tannehill's not exactly lighting it up either, but they're winning. They seem like yep. they're going to cruise to the division title. And that means my prediction that at some point this year, it was inevitable Malik Willis would become the starter. It, it's just not going to happen given that they're now four and two and things are going well, even though Tannehill isn't playing particularly impressive. Yeah, I still think he keeps his job and just doing what he does. And it's just as long as he doesn't make mistakes, and he is in some of these games. And I think they've had like just a, you know, they're in that division. So like you said, I think they win it, but just kind of a soft schedule. And they haven't had to really do anything with anybody. And you mentioned it, 132, you know, I was going through the box score, you know, just Robert Woods, everyone had three or four catches. That's all it really needed. Um Derrick Henry is just so big to that team. It's like if something happens to him, I don't even know what they do. Um, but, yeah, look at even last year real quick. They had the unbelievable season and record. But everyone was like, we're not scared of them in the playoffs. They'll lose even with their de- – like they were very good and their defense started to slip towards the end of the year. They were a little injured. But, yeah, I, they cruise here too, I think, to, to their thing. But I'm not scared of them at all to come playoffs. No, when Tannehill first got there and had a career season and then turned into a pumpkin or regressed to the mean, if you want to call it, in the playoffs, the writing was on the wall for how far they could go with him. They gave him the extension, but this team, you know, they trade A.J. Brown. They're trying to develop Traylon Burks, a first-round pick who wasn't active Sunday. And look, they put up 19 points at home. That includes a pick six courtesy of Matt Ryan. So I, I, I don't trust Tannehill. I don't think the franchise does either, even though they waited to – draft Malik Willis they also traded AJ Brown in part knowing it just doesn't make sense right now to pay a wide receiver yeah I I was just shocked at some of those moves and you mentioned I think Tannehill's this is his last year and Willis has to wait till next year but I think they're just kind of getting through and hoping hey maybe this team can do it but I don't think they can yeah I don't think there's too much confidence internally in their playoff prospects either and then you talk about the Packers stumbling in Washington you know, a part of me wants to say who saw that coming because of the nature of these two franchises, but Green Bay, it, it's just a matter of the train wreck continuing once again. Oh, man, this uh, Packers team is in trouble. They just have no one to throw the ball to. You know, my favorites, look, some of my props were Aaron Jones. He got the touchdown. I thought they'd run it, and that first drive looked so good running it, and they just got away with it. It was strange, and once – Heineke, that wasn't a fumble for that second touchdown. It seemed like everything flipped. You know, they got the field goal, got the momentum. The defense started playing better. Aaron Rodgers just kind of doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have enough time. Um, And then he had to throw to Jones. You know, he had three catches almost every game, and it was at three and a half. He had nine, and then he obviously caught one late. Nobody can get separation, and tons of drop balls. Even on, like, on that fourth and one, that out route just goes right through that guy's hands. I mean, and then Lazard gets hurt. He's there. I mean, basically they're one, which is crazy. Aaron Rodgers does not have a lot of help. And the Packers defense, I think, is good, but not great. Uh, you know, they can make plays, but I'm starting to see them crack a little bit the last two or three weeks. I don't know how high they really are. Maybe, you know, bought like 10 to 15 defense. So they're in trouble. I don't know. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, but 
Father time for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady might be finally slipping. After all these years, we've just, these guys keep playing well. It looks rough for Green Bay. I still think they go 500. Uh, but to find out they're 11-point dogs in Buffalo, just as how crazy they've fallen in probably three weeks. Yeah, f- father time finally getting some wins in against Rodgers and Brady. <laughs> and the, the sequence that I want to go to in this Green Bay game that highlights the struggles of the offense is actually when they put up that late touchdown in the fourth quarter where it felt like that drive was sponsored by the officials. Every time it was incompletion, flag, move the ball to extend the drive, incompletion, penalty, keep it going. And then the play where Rodgers, you mentioned, he rolls out, he finds Jones for the touchdown. Nice play on both sides with the toss and catch. But at the same time, game on the line, offense needs to come together and there's really nothing to show for it on their end. It's just a lack of discipline from Washington and maybe the officials getting a little flag happy. So this Green Bay team, I mean, are, are you looking at the division and saying the play is Minnesota and the Vikings probably hang on? How do you size it up? I do. And I was not really one of those people that were jumping out to the Vikings. You know, there was a lot of people with a lot of early Viking love. And I think they've kind of had a easy schedule i thought they kind of got away with it in miami with those turnovers those shot you know they covered there i just i don't trust them too much i don't trust kurt cousins but they could win this the way rogers has looked i remember we talked a couple weeks ago you mentioned do the packers and i'm like i don't think they do anything they could win this division and win 10 games they just don't have it and now i didn't see it this quick and within three weeks how bad they've looked can they turn it around? I get it's just difficult. He has no one to throw to. And then the injuries are starting to pack up. And then they bring back a guy like, you know, Sammy Watkins. He didn't look ready to play. He just looks older. It's just I don't know what they do. They maybe have to go out and get somebody to help Rodgers out. And, yeah, they only get that last touchdown. It was kind of like that was just extra thrown on. They wouldn't move the ball at all or do anything. You're right. Just some penalties. It got them to that drive and then throws that uh, touchdown to Rodgers. So. Packers in trouble. Green Bay is in trouble, I think. And then Rodgers gives social media some gold with him just lying face first in the dirt at the end of the game after the loss. So they're certainly in trouble. And I'm with you. I don't trust Kirk Cousins either. But the Vikings, it looks like they're going to win that division, shifting gears to a team where it's all positive right now. The New York Giants, I I tweeted during that game against Jacksonville, that this is a team who the football gods are once again, it's been a while, but they're shining on them. I mean, Travis Etienne, he's going in for a touchdown and just loses the ball. Wasn't stripped, wasn't touched, didn't have to worry about you know breaking contact, just loses it, Giants recover, and, and sure enough, this game goes the way of the G-Men. Yeah, it uh, was just, it just felt almost like these fourth quarters, the Giants, I think, have won them, but they've gotten a few gifts. You know, it was like Lamar Jackson, that pick, that horrible throw he made the week before. And it was just kind of like, but they've made the plays. And I remember before that, uh, the Giants had an interception all year. That team was four and one before or then that Ravens game without an interception. So it was was just mind boggling. Then they get it. They win that game. And then everything that happened, like you just talked about with ETN fumbling. And then they just get in. And and all of a sudden, you know, one of the ones props in that game I like was Barkley because the Jags a rush defense so good he is nothing he has like three yards in about the halfway through the third and then he just goes wild and so with like 110 so i would a lot i'm glad i stayed off that i was looking at his under 78 
uh, he looks good and healthy, and that's a strong point for them. And they've the best thing about that Giants team, and it keeps shaking my head, is the fourth quarter, how they've just been able to get it done. And it's like Daniel Jones isn't fumbling. He's not throwing picks. It's like they're winning football games. And, you know, even this week, as high as I was, I had the Seahawks. I didn't think they, they win the Chargers outright and smack them like that. But Seahawks this week favored by three. It's just like, yeah, of course they're at home. Not easy place to play. But Giants, again, catching three. It's got everyone's eye. You know, it's just like, can this team go on the road again? I think this will be three or four straight weeks. For the, I'd have to double check that. I know they've been on the road the last couple, maybe the second or third. But can they go into Seattle and get it done? It'll be interesting. And uh, shocked, the G-men. Shout out to them so far. It's, it's amazing to watch. It's that culture change that people like to reference with the Lions under Brian Dayball, who just seems yes. like a perfect fit for them. And these fourth quarter rallies, the turning point, one of those instances where when you've been watching football long enough, you just know what's coming afterwards. The Jaguars going for it on fourth and one, not yeah. getting it on the Trevor Lawrence sneak. They had the lead. They decided they didn't want to go up by a touchdown if they just kicked the field goal. And you could just feel it instinctually that this game is about to go New York's way and momentum's going to swing. And sure enough, not only did they get the touchdown, but the Jags couldn't put anything together after that or recover until that yep. last drive when Christian Kirk gets stopped at the goal line. They just couldn't do it. And I think that's a problem, which I kind of put into, you know, which I think my, you know, season on the, on the Jags winning six and a half, I think they fall short. We talk, they keep losing is P Doug Peterson has kind of made a change there, but he's a guy who goes for it. And, you know, when it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. He goes for two a lot of times. He goes for fourth down a lot. And you mentioned it. Once Lawrence got stuffed, it just seemed like the momentum just switched. And the Giants were like, hey, we can win this one. And, man, they took advantage of it and got it done. And that game stayed under, which I thought that was game was going to slip over. I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. All the yeah, money was heading to the over, too, about an hour or two before kickoff, too. Crazy. Right. That, depending on what you had there, that was clutch that the over, the under came through. Yeah. And then uh, quickly here, we're going to fold in two teams that are getting ready to take on each other in a rivalry matchup next week, the Jets and the Patriots. We start with New York because what I'm curious from your perspective, the Brees Hall injury, as much as it sucks, does it mean that you're going to start to look at these Jets games and be more interested in that under or that – Vegas is going to bring these lines down and maybe it's not such a good play. That is interesting because I already think Jets unders are pretty good. I mean, the Broncos, that was the big deal. Even at 37, I thought that under was good. Got a little close if it could have went to, you know, overtime, but it didn't. They didn't score. Stayed under easy. I think the under is the move. Brees Hall, I was all over this guy from the beginning, especially like his catches. I hit the first couple of weeks and then to see him the last few weeks and bust that run. And then to be out for the year is huge. And I, because I just don't think Carter, you know, the backup who's got some carries can can really be the guy. Um, so that'll be difficult. Puts more stuff on Wilson. The Jets' defense has taken a step up, which has been surprising. Move a little bit, you know, middle of the pack because they were just so bad last year, especially against the pass. This game is is kind of dangerous. I think the Patriots could go in there and win this week after such a bad game last night. Obviously, Zappy's in now, it looks like. We'll see. I mean, even though he came in, gave him the spark, but the second half was not very good. Um, and it shows Patriots are, you know, favored by a point. But talk that total. I think Jets unders are good. If that defense can still play good, because I don't think they have the weapons. Zach Wilson's still going to make mistakes. And 
I don't think they really have the explosion. So yeah, I'd lean under there. So I think that this has the potential to be a blessing in disguise for New York because Brees Hall, he was their home run hitter and so Mm -hmm. much of their point production came through him. Even in that win against Green Bay at Lambeau, you know, they got a block punt for a touchdown and Zach Wilson threw 16 times, 10 completions. This is now, I think, it's almost like the training wheels have to come off and the Jets really have to find out what exactly they have in Zach Wilson. It's year two for him. So that's a time where it's supposed to be significant growth from your quarterback if he's going to be the guy for you moving forward. So you don't want to stunt his development and put too much on his plate, but I think they do need to see more from Zach Wilson than they've tried to so far in part because they had Brees Hall back there. I know. I what does that imply? Do they maybe get another guy off, you know, to maybe help out the running game? Because you mentioned it, even last week, he didn't have to do much throwing it. I have to look up his stats, but I, I remember, I mean, it was, they were one something. I mean, he, I mean, he hasn't had to throw for two something in a while or even 300 yards. So do they open it up? He's looked more comfortable, but I, man, this is tough. The The defense, I think, helps him, but I think they, they there's some stumbles here for the Jets. And as as good as they've been, I think they go down this week, kind of. I know those games are always tight, usually, even when the Jets sometimes are bad, um, especially in New York. But I think this would be a good one for the Pats to go in and win uh, small favorites. So you always want to take emotion out of the equation. But after what happened last night in that Patriots-Bears game, I'm yeah. shook right now. I, I think that Mac Jones starts this game and – unless it's a disaster or that ankle doesn't hold up, then the intention is going to be he plays the entire contest. But at the same time, the regression from him is worse than anticipated. I think they're playing around with his confidence and his decision-making. And even though I would look at this situation and normally I would say the Patriots after a loss like that and with, you know, they don't have blue chip talent, but the overall quality of players on both sides of the ball, I would say that they go into New York and they beat the Jets. I think they are the more talented team right now, even though New York has a bunch of young studs like Sauce Gardner, for example, and I like mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson. I would normally pick the Patriots, but under these circumstances, I'm not sure that New yeah. England on a short week rallies to be able to get their confidence off the mat and go into the net life and get a win. Real quick, you know what's going to be huge is just, I thought the Pats' defense had played so well, and just to kind of get gashed last night was a little, by a Bears team, that they're not really showing crazy uh, plays here. You know what I mean? It's, it Fields was just taking off, and then the second half, they just ran it. Herbert's prop was easy to get. He had 80 yards. Montgomery, I think, had around 80. They just ran all over the Patriots. You know what? The one thing I've consistently seen, you're right. I mean, Mac Jones, does he start? Does he have a quick hook? He hasn't been able to get the the passes out to these receivers. Like, it seems like when Zappi's been able to come in, he can hit Parker or Myers. Like, he just, Mac Jones, I don't know if it's the ankle or just what's going through his head. It just doesn't seem right right now. But maybe they got to go back to him. Interesting times there in New England with the quarterback. But I think if they one thing they have to do, Belichick will get right to is the defense. When you see his teams give up points like that, that's why I think that under even at 40 and a half could be in play. They got to play better and maybe they can stifle a Zach Wilson, Brees Hallless Jets, you know, this week. 
Yeah, I think they'll spin the dial on Zach Wilson and, and probably have success, force a couple of turnovers there. Yes. The defense should bounce back, and that's probably enough, now that I'm thinking about it some more, to get the Patriots the win at the same time. I thought Mac huh. Jones, after seeing how it looked with Bailey Zappi, with him just staying between the lines, keep the car at ten, you know, hands at 10 and 2, go the speed limit, I thought that's what Mac Jones would at least do more of. But three three drives, a quick hook, and an interception – to end it for him. So we'll see what happens moving forward with yeah. the Patriots. It's kind of a mess right now. And then I look at the Raiders and they get that 38 to 20 win over the Texans. Do you feel like this is an offense? Josh Jacobs went off for three touchdowns that it is starting to find its stride. And after nearly beating Kansas city, a game, they probably should have won and been able to close out. Do you feel like this is a team that maybe can push the chargers for who actually finishes second best in the AFC West. I do. I, I think that I don't think the Chargers are much of anything, to tell you the truth. I mean, it, as soon as that Broncos game, I had the Broncos five and a half. I said, as soon as the Chargers are five or six points in any kind of game, and I knew they thought they would be Seattle, I'm going to take the other side. And it worked out. Herbert's still very good. And they still are dealing with injuries, but I just don't think the defense is very good. And the offense has these hit or misses. They can't really run the ball. They've had one or two games where they've been able to run it with Eckler, but nothing much. So I think the Raiders can do. Well, here we go with the Raiders, though. They got that win. That's Talk about another score, the Dallas game, where the final score was not equivalent to that football game. Uh, and the pick six was kind of it. I thought the Texans would go in there and get that backdoor uh, cover. And it Mills like finally it. was Mills, and he threw the pick six, and it just was it was over there but one thing was we knew what was going to happen in that game was Josh Jacobs was going to eat he has been so good the Raiders have been bullying these guys and he's been able to run 143 three touchdowns he's been really really good if they can keep running it with him his problem is can he stay healthy we know he can get banged up but Derek Carr was you know good 21 to 27 217 and a touchdown didn't have to do too much the Raiders defense still is not very good and I think uh Houston had a missed field goal like I think they could have I think that was a seven that if you were a Raider backer, you've, you're a little lucky covering that game. And one of the reasons why I just wasn't jumping on the Raiders covering that number was Derek Carr has not covered numbers since he's been a Raider. Like four more, he's like one in at seven. Well, now he's two and seven. But uh, after they cover there, he just hasn't been able to cover numbers like that. But they did um, a well-needed win, uh, played well against the Chiefs. I think they are. I think they're the second best team in that division. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you look at Seattle getting that win in L.A. over the Chargers. Geno Smith continues to ball out. They're now four and three. And FanDuel has set their win total to if you want that over at seven and a half, it's minus 145. Is that a good play in your opinion? You buy into the Seahawks climbing that high this season. That that one's going to be very close. I think they get to eight wins. So if you want to. That's depending on the person. If you want to lay the juice to get four more wins out of Seattle, I think they get eight wins. Geno Smith has looked very good. You know, this guy has just looked just simple, you know, and he's been able to throw it out when they need it. Now they've dealt with some injuries, you know, Lockett played. He's had a hamstring and then uh, Metcalf went out in that game. And obviously Walker's had to step in, but Kenneth Walker, take his props the last few weeks. He's just unbelievable for the Seahawks. So, and you know what, one thing I heard a lot, Chargers got late, I think nine points, something nine or 10 in that fourth. 
uh, Pete Carroll the last few weeks said my defense is turning around, you know, because that defense wasn't very good. There was those crazy high scoring games. But he said, I think we're, you know, the defense, we're getting a little healthy and turning around. And these last two weeks, I thought they've looked a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. So if that to me, if that defense does get better, I think the Seahawks can win eight games. It's just can they hold up injuries, all this? I think Geno Smith will be about like this. I don't you know, I think he'll be solid as long as he's in there. So. I don't love the, you know, me with the minus 145s, 150s, but I think they get eight wins. It's not a guarantee, but I think they could get eight wins this year. I'm with you. It's a it's a stay away play. It's just not worth it. But at the same time, I think in Gino we trust, they cover that and, and climb to eight wins this season. And then out West, Niners and Chiefs, one question from both sides. First, Kansas City, they go toe-to-toe with the Bills. Yes, it was at home but they nearly beat them. Then they go to San Francisco and they clock the Niners. How much confidence do you have in this team come playoff time? I think they're, I have major confidence in the, in the chiefs. I mean, I think they're right there with the bills. I mean, that was a rough game. It was just, it seemed like the air came out. I thought Mahomes was going to go down there, drive it and score a touchdown and win that game. That's just how it went back and forth to me. And there were some interceptions. He threw one, down there late he had a couple bad picks so but the key for buffalo is to make that game go through buffalo not through kansas city so that win was massive and if it's up there in that cold i think the chiefs have problems but i think they're the they're the other team in the afc that this offense just looks you can tell after that loss uh patrick mahomes was you know as much as all the a lot of people were on the 49ers everything looked to it super bowl revenge them off a loss you know, them as even a small dog, as long as they're not favored at home, they've been unbelievable. And they come out and punch them right in the mouth. And I jumped on. I was like, take the Chiefs now. <laughs> the Chiefs. You know, it was only five and a half. I took some money line, but jump on them. And they came roaring back. And just to see that 49er defense just kind of get, they've been banged up. They have some injuries, but just get thrown around. That was pretty wild in the second half. They couldn't make a play anywhere. They look small. Like Mahomes just throws up balls to Kelsey. It's just like, get out of here. He's so big. You know, some of these guys, it was just, yeah. So uh, Niners, I still think are a pretty good football team. And a lot like last year, you know, the barely over 500, but I think they could go far in the playoffs. Uh, Chiefs, Chiefs rolling. I think they're, they're fine right now. Yeah, with Kansas City, it's amazing the team still go for, they just can't help themselves because it's what they're taught. With all the decoys and the clear outs to get Kelsey open, they take the cheese, it seems like, every time. So credit to Reed yep. and Biennemi. And this Kansas City team, my concern, you mentioned a great one there, that it's on track right now. If they meet up in the AFC Championship game, let's call it, it's probably in Buffalo. Maybe there's a stumble along the way that swings that, but that is concerning. We know what that weather is going to be like at that time of year. And then secondly, I don't think we'll really see the loss of Tyree Kill. Right now it's highlighting the growth of Patrick Mahomes that he can take the beer vendor and the popcorn guy, move the ball down the field. But, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City both tried to eliminate explosive plays. And so to me, when they when they may eat up in the playoffs, presumably at least, then it's going to be a matter of who hits more home runs. And without Tyree Kill, you're not moving the ball into the end zone in 13 seconds from your own 25-yard line, for example. So that's where I think we're going to see Kansas City really feel the absence of Tyreek Hill. I think you're right. And when I look at that, like he's done well the last few games, like Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's a drop machine. I, that's just a fact. The guy's very talented. 
And can you count on a guy like Scantling? He's been very good. He had a long catch again, you know, three for 111 this week. But the game before that, Buffalo, he was absent. He didn't have a catch. He was in nowhere to be seen. So can McKinnon, you know, there's always Hartman, but, you know, he's a three-type guy, you know, runs a reverse, catch him in the screen. So they don't have, yeah, Hill is a, a home run hitter, and that might cost him. I thought it kind of did in that game. Not not crazy. Chiefs were at home, but, yeah, there just wasn't that go-to. And if you and Kelsey still got his, but he didn't crazy dominate. So, yeah, missing Hill in the end, that's a, it's a big key. It might catch him. And then with the Niners, as they integrate Christian McCaffrey, just how much do you think that trade raises their ceiling for this season? I don't think it raises it too much at all. It just McCaffrey's got to stay healthy. And I don't know how much they use him in this offense. I mean, he was pretty good. He, you know, he kind of got in there early and then just disappeared. I mean, I know they didn't want to give him too much. You know, he had eight for 38. He had two catches for 24. Maybe he gets used a little more, but he's another guy. The injury's just right around the corner uh for him so was that trade really worth it and all that they gave up we'll find out i think we'll find out here soon is he really going to be uh you know was this some really the missing piece for the 49ers i'm not so sure it was so we'll find out yeah on one hand i can understand looking around and saying there's not a quarterback that we need to save these draft chips for at the other it's a running back yes he makes an impact as a receiver but he also struggles to stay healthy and you do have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So I, I didn't love the move for the Niners. And, you know, of all teams, they get so much out of their running backs, undrafted, sixth round, you name it. Yep. They produced there for Kyle Shanahan. So I, I didn't love that move for San Francisco, even though it'll be fun to watch McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle do their thing together. But I'm with you. This season probably doesn't do much for their longevity in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think it does. But I think this team, if just, you know, maybe it was just the Chiefs. I just, that defense needs to get back to who they were. They just lost their identity and got blown off everywhere on that second half. You know, 32 points or whatever it was, 30 points by the Chiefs. So they need to get back to the old drills uh, maybe today. Even though the NFL, there's not much drills going crazy, uh, hitting drills anymore, not like college. So, but the defense has got to get back to uh, some film work on how bad they got beat. Speaking of college, let's shift gears now and talk about week eight in the NCAA, starting with number 20, Texas at the time, at least now out of the top 25. So horns down again, taking on again on Saturday, it was 20 versus 11, Oklahoma state Cowboys at home to me, Connor, it would just, it blew my mind watching this game unfold that they let Quinn Ewers throw it 49 times. He was 19 to 49 with two touchdowns and three interceptions after the first quarter he did not complete two passes in a row. So I don't understand going away from Bijan in this one. I couldn't believe it. You know, and he still ran it, you know, 24 for 140. I would have, it was crazy to me too. You were, because this Oklahoma State defense is is good. They can make plays at times and that worked out for him. But I was shocked as well, almost 50 times. That's what, that's what Oklahoma State does, you know, and they got away with it because Sanders can throw those pick or two. He had one, he was very good, but, this Texas yeah, brutal team, interception in the end zone. Yes. Uh, this Texas team, though, as we find out, same old Texas. I think they're good. They played Bama, but they've gone on the road, lost to Tech. I loved it. This was my, my best bet of the week. I mean, I took Oklahoma State money line. Obviously, I needed a great fourth quarter, and they played a great fourth quarter to win the game. 
But yeah, it just I just don't know what they were doing. You mentioned the 49 times. And I'm glad Gundy as a dog just been really, really good. And Sanders is good enough to bet on now. Where two years ago, three years ago, I was he would make too many mistakes. And uh, I didn't really like him, but he's been solid. And even with the injury to his arm and everything, he's been very good. And uh, a shootout where Texas just went ice cold, failed in the fourth quarter. They just, yeah, it's been- you know, Oklahoma State stepped up and they did it. It's been cool to watch Spencer Sanders grow 391 yards on 57 passes and two touchdowns, even with that pick on Saturday. To me, the key sequence in this one, Connor, is that they trade field goals in the third quarter. Texas gets Mm -hmm. the ball late in the frame and goes three and out, trying too much with Quinn Ewers. Oklahoma State ties the game at 34 with just under 10 minutes left. So now you have just about the entire quarter in a game where you were once down by 10 and you've quickly in a matter of two possessions erased that deficit. And you know that Texas, they're going to look at it and continue to try to win it through the air with Quinn Ewers and that you've been stopping it all game. Yeah, I, I just that was the huge turning point, you know, in that, like you mentioned there. And then it just Texas forced it, just like we mentioned. You were it was intercept back to back interceptions in that last 10 minutes. It was like, what are you doing? You have plenty of time. Hand the ball off. It's just almost Sarkis. It was just a little like coaching just wasn't there. It was just, you know, let's just throw it. Let's just get into this crazy shootout. And it was interception, intercepted. Oklahoma State gets the touchdown. And then that last interception to seal it. And that was ball game. And it was just kind of quickly like, wow, that was awful. Like Texas, what a fourth quarter. That was just where they bombed and Oklahoma State kind of stepped up. Uh, and I was happy. That was a kick in the nuts for Texas. Props to you for coming through with the bet. And then for me, Saturday, easily the worst game on the slate. I'm a Syracuse alum. I didn't mm. really believe that they could actually go in there and win and move into the top 10. It's just, it's not what I know from this orange football squad, but it's been their year to this point. And then you watch the second half unfold and it's just so obvious that they're hanging on for dear life and trying to white knuckle their way to the finish line. Yeah, but I thought they played a pretty good football game, you know, all the way around. I just, you know, mostly I thought they could cover that number and I loved it when it moved to 14 and a half. I had to take some of Syracuse uh, on Saturday. The problem is it just, they get the lead and then at the end there, DJ gets yanked uh, for Clemson. It's just the fourth quarter fold. You know, both teams don't score in that third, you know, and Syracuse doesn't score at all in the second half. That just was just, that hurts so bad. They couldn't go down and get like a field goal, at least in that third. It just, all of a sudden that Clemson, front seven I talked about it and a little bit Syracuse was able to run it early because I that was the big key because I thought Florida State ran it on Clemson the week before which was a little bit shocking because like I said that front seven against the run had been so good the problem had been the back half Clemson to give up some big plays over the top uh that didn't happen Schrader you know didn't really make any big plays not that he's a guy that does that but I thought they played good they folded kind of in the end there uh, I think they get back home, though, here and take care of Notre Dame uh, as short favorites. I mean, it's just a lean so far, but uh, I think they can bounce back being back home. Real quick, I want to talk about they always usually covered. I think they covered twice, though, here in Clemson, maybe six years. They got blown out once or twice, but usually in the Carrier Dome, they play them really, really tough, even when they've had bad teams the last few years. So I thought the Orange gave up a good fight, but I still Clemson's, you know, fifth rest team in the country they might be the best in the ACC they're not that's where they are though I don't think they can beat it 
the top three teams, period. Yeah, I don't think so either. We're going to talk about that in just a second. You know, you talk about Syracuse. It was constantly three and out, maybe a four and out, at best a five and out in the second half. So it was kind of a gift, good play defensively on the strip when Clemson's at the goal line knocking on the door. They run it back, and they knock DJ out of the game. He gets benched, but ultimately they couldn't get it done. I also didn't love personally that there's two similar plays on the sideline, and one gets a roughing the passer for the Tigers to extend a drive. Syracuse doesn't go their way, and they're forced to punt. So I I didn't love that either. And you brought up Sean Tucker. That was the other thing. He only had – let me look it up here. Yeah, he only had – I wanted to confirm – Five carries. So that one, I think Dino walked out of Death Valley questioning himself about. I think he did too. Yeah, that was big for me. I just thought they could have done a lot more. Uh, But I got to give my hat to to Clemson for stepping up. Um, They just get wins in Death Valley. It was I thought it was going to be a pretty good effort, and they came out great that first half to win there. You know, no one's won there in, what, six years. So uh, Longest record in the country. Yeah, 38 straight, so, I believe. Yeah, something like that, 38 or 37. So hats off to Clemson. They got it done. They go down here shortly, though, I think. Yeah, Somewhere. I do, too. Last college football game that we want to cover here, UCLA taking on Oregon. It was a battle of two top 10 teams. Absolutely electric. For my money, the most entertaining game that we saw in college football over the weekend. There were points or an interception on every drive with the exception of when a team was running out the clock at the end of the half or the game. And to me, the really the sequence that swung the outcome, it was in the first half. It was late in the second quarter where Oregon scores a touchdown and follows it up, Connor, you know this, with a perfectly executed onside kick right down the middle of the field. They recover it. Then they score a touchdown off that funky play where they spit the offensive lineman out and then bring everyone in tight to the formation. They punch it in. And at that point, UCLA, it feels like it's over for them. They're down 31 to 13. And it, it feels like the second half, there's just there's not going to be a comeback. Yeah, that was just it right there. Boom, 24-10. You know, and then UCLA gets the field goal. And then Oregon comes right back and scores the other touch. It was just like... And then you get the feeling it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes. I was just saying this in the first half. I'm like, 49ers, you can't kick field. You're not going to trade field goals the way Patrick Mahomes playing right now with touchdowns. Like you, the 49ers kept settling for a field goal, you know, it was 21, 16 yeah, it's 13. You know, they had two or three field goals. I'm like, this is not going to work. And UCLA, Oregon made the stops when they want. I think they're the team it comes down to them. UCLA SC on who wins it, you know, really there. And, you know, UCLA, I didn't – it would be tough for them to go in there and win. You know, they they push it to the seven. I thought it was interesting. And big key, Bo Nix. I got to give it to this guy. You know, as much as I ragged on him for the longest time, when a guy plays good, it's like Adrian Martinez, uh, when they're playing well, I got to give the guy credit. Five touchdowns. He's just looked phenomenal. Looks like a whole different guy. So, yeah, but that's if they played an SEC team, then I, maybe there would be a difference again. But – He's in the Pac-12. He's doing very, very well. And they took care of business. And uh, it'll be tough for UCLA. I thought they played all those home games, you know, in a row. And they beat Utah and Washington. It was just a b- bad spot for them uh, to go up there, even though I thought this game could have been tighter. And I think it would have been. You mentioned that sequence and everything that happened. It was just like, that was it. You can't do field goals, the onside kick. Oregon's getting touchdowns. That was it. So, yeah, hats off to the Ducks. 
Bo Nix, he takes so much flack. I think more than anything, it's because of the hype that he came into Auburn with. But he's good for, it seems like, one of these a year just about. You remember when he went into Baton Rouge on a Saturday night and he had what I thought at the time was the game of his life against LSU and he led them to a win. And now with Oregon and, and him to put up the numbers that he did, only 28 passes, but he goes for five touchdowns, no interceptions and over 10 yards per completion with a quarterback rating of 96.3. So Bo Nix, he's just, he's got some magic in him, but it only comes out, it seems like, once a season. Yeah, and, you know, this was kind of a big game to do that, and I'm not really counting the weeks before, even though he was very good, you know, against some of the lower teams in the Pac-12, and, you know, he had eight carries for 51 yards. I can't wait till crunch time, though. Can he get it done against SC, maybe, or, you know, or they go to the Rose Bowl? Um, cause man, I know Bo I think he already used pick. up his reserve. So the answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So we'll see. We'll see. And then the top four right now in the country, it's Georgia, Ohio state, Tennessee, and Michigan in that order. There yeah. are holes that we can poke in all of these teams though. So is that who you have in the playoffs right now? I do not. I have Michigan and Bama flip. So I have Georgia, Ohio state. Tennessee and Alabama, Michigan five and Clemson six. Real quick on the flip, I just I got to see more out of Michigan. Um, I think they're very good. I catch a lot of flack. A lot of guys I know are big Michigan guys, and I think they're very good. We will see this week. Big favorites against Michigan State, twenty-two point favorites. Big rivalry. Can they handle a Michigan State team that's been down? Alabama's better, even with their one loss, and we've seen it time and time again. It's a. I think this is just early that they have this Bobby because I think if this they played out more Alabama will move into the you know into that spot and jump them they're the better team and I thought Bama came out and played how they would and just whipped Mississippi State again Mississippi State has been able to score on them four straight years I don't know what it is and I thought Saban would have his defense ready to play and they made some key you know Rogers threw for some junk yards there at the end but uh it's tough for them so yeah those are my four Georgia Uh, Ohio State, Tennessee, Alabama. So I think you have it right in terms of who are the best teams in the country. No disrespect or perhaps disrespect to Clemson. At the same time, Alabama has to win the SEC championship now to get in because it's never been easier for the committee, which wants to put Mm -hmm. the tide into the final four. It's good for business. It's never been easier to keep them out of it than this season. I think it's the worst defense that Nick Nick Saban's had since he got there. And so I look at this Alabama team and as good as Bryce Young is, I don't really believe in them running the table the rest of the way, including the conference championship game. So I think Alabama ultimately is going to come up short this year. And I'm with you. I I don't believe in Michigan. If they played Alabama, I think that Alabama would win convincingly, even in a down season for the tide. Clemson though, to me is the team to keep an eye on because they'll probably win the ACC championship. So whether Mm -hmm. Michigan stumbles to Ohio State at the end of the season or in the Big Ten title game, I think the Wolverines at some point will stumble along the way. I think so, too. I think we see a lot of stuff going on. Hey, can Tennessee keep living to the hype? You know, can they? I think they win this week. I don't know if they cover. You know, they got some tough games. After the Alabama win, I think this could be a little bit of a flat spot for the Vols, if anyone out there looking this week. Yes, Alabama. You know, one side, I think they do run it. And the other side, yeah, I think they could lose here in the SEC, SEC title. So it's just, 
you're right. If they do that, they'd be out. It'd be hard to put a, a two-loss team in, especially if Michigan and Clemson. Clemson has no losses, maybe one, or Michigan might have one loss to maybe Ohio State. That'll be very interesting if it comes down to that. Maybe Michigan loses once, or even Clemson and Bama has two losses, and who would get that last spot would be very interesting. So, yeah, great times as we're about halfway halfway through the college football year. Yeah, the race is about to start heating up, so I can't wait to see how it unfolds. We're going to be sure here on the winning ticket to get Connor Max insight throughout the rest of the campaign. That goes for the NFL as well. But that wraps up this Tuesday edition of the winning ticket. Before we go, Connor, the stage is yours to promote any work that you want to share and let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Oh, well, first, I got to say thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. I love it. We got a good, you know, hour or so to just talk football. Bobby's always a little short on the radio. So I, I, I could do this anytime with you, uh, any any week. But uh, yeah, just catch me for the most part, Pub Source Radio. That's where I do most of the video work. But catch me on the socials at just Connor Mac and Connor Mac Picks. Connor, I can't tell you how many times when I have you on the radio on Sports Map Radio Network, where I'm looking at the clock, wishing we had at least a little more time to cover a little more ground. But, I mean, your insight is second to none. Like I said in the beginning, a sharp among sharps, and I mean that. His track record, folks, speaks for himself. So go out, follow him, consume the content that he puts out because he will, like I said in the intro, put more money in your pockets and your bank accounts. That's a guarantee. On Thursday here on The Winning Ticket, I will give you my best bets for this weekend's college football and NFL slates. You can find that on Believe.com, the Winning Ticket YouTube page, or wherever you get your podcast from. And please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It goes a long way. For Connor Mack, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. Thanks for tuning in to The Winning Ticket.